0: You are listening to the Sports CDP Crash Course, your go-to podcast for all things sports-related. We talk about how sports clubs and teams can sell more tickets and merchandise than ever before and how they can negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. We also champion women's sports and discuss how data and innovation can help bring equality to the sports industry. We have interviewed industry leaders who have worked with the likes of the NFL, FC Barcelona, Women in Football UK, FIBA, the Davis Cup, just to name a few. So don't miss out. Listen to today's episode. Our next guest is a professional squash player based in Pakistan, who was ranked number 120 in the world by the Professional Squash Association. She's not only an athlete, but also an activist. Norina Shams is the first ever athlete from Pakistan to have spoken at the United Nations Human Rights Council Social Forum in Geneva 2018. Norina, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Lorraine, for having me. That was a very nice introduction. I feel very special.
0: Awesome, awesome. You are very special, and it's such an honour that our audience and our listeners will get a chance to hear your story. But before we begin, we like to start off our sessions with an icebreaker. Are you ready for that?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm more curious and excited at the same time.
0: Perfect. What's your favourite quote, expression, or motto, and why is it your favorite?
1: It's, uh, it's just live and let live. I don't know who has said it. Or maybe you could say Hakuna Matata from Timon and Pumbaa and Lion King. Why? Because uh, all my life I have seen trying to, like, you know, taking power of my life or anyone around me. So I think for me, my motto of life is that I live, I would want to let the other person live as well, because that's how we can create a very peaceful world for each other.
2: Awesome. And Noreena, your story is a very rich one. And uh, there is so much to unpack, of course. But maybe let's start right at the beginning. So besides being a professional squash player, you have also played cricket and you were a cyclist as well. So what started your love for sports in general?
1: So as much as I remember, um, I was a very energetic kid. I was a very curious one as well. And I come from an area which is like uh, it doesn't have a lot of resources. Like uh, it, it is situated on the on the western east uh, western uh, northwestern border of Pakistan, Afghanistan. So you can imagine how is it. I mean, it's very beautiful, but at the same time, it doesn't have a lot of stuff. So um, my curiosity has always been my first ever school. Um, I used to learn about stuff. Um, watching TV or, or the internet. At that time, I did not have much access to internet. So my world was always outside. So this one time, my father actually got me a cycle. And uh, while my brother was allowed to go around the city and the town, um, I wasn't, maybe because of the safety or anything. But culturally, most of the girls were not allowed to go outside of their house. For me, uh, that is where my curiosity began and I actually wanted to know that what exactly is outside my house that my father doesn't want me to go out. Um, I actually uh, once snuck out of my house and while my father was away or all the employees were away, uh, I went to another village and then the next day another village and I mean it it felt so good. I, I could see the world from a very different lens and this one time my father caught me and I actually thought that he's going to, like, you know, be very angry and ask me different questions and ask me that you have a very big house. And I told you that you don't have to go out. Why did you go out? But instead, um, he was just very surprised because in my entire village, no one and like from my family, no one was that athletic. So he asked me this question that like, didn't your leg hurt or something like that? Uh, I mean, did you have the stamina to go to this this village? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I just loved it. So for me, being the only girl out on the, like, you know, on the roads of Timargara, Lower Deer, and all of these places, I, I think that was kind of an adventure. So for me, I wanted to explore more. I wanted to see more. So, I mean, it started with cycling, of course. And I mean, the cricket went the same way. Um, It was all curiosity. I was always a big fan of uh, Shahid Afridi, one of the biggest cricketers of our time. And um, I always thought that I'll become Shahid Afridi, but because at that time, I didn't know about any other female athlete. And I I think that's like, you know, a fault on the part of uh, our media that they never showed any of the female athletes who could do so well. So for me, it was always the curiosity. And I always used to ask myself, like the 11-year-old or the 12-year-old, Nurina used to ask herself that, how would I look like Shia the Freedy? Or like, you know, how how can I ball like him? How can I hit like him? Until I realized that I'm a girl. And... um. I grew up with this curiosity of my own identity and I think it's my, again and again I'm using this word, it's my own curiosity that actually brought me to this stage where I see the world, where I'm meeting you guys through the power of my sport. So that's how I got into it.
0: But how did you actually get into squash then?
1: Yeah, so squash was pretty much accidental because I did not know anything about squash. Uh, after uh, leaving cricket, uh, I had to focus on my, tr- uh, my studies. And then after a year or two, I badly wanted to get into a sport. Uh, maybe it, it was just inside me. I wanted to do something. Um, so I went to a sw- swimming pool. It was one of the elite clubs. Uh, and it was quite expensive. And I knew that my mother couldn't really afford it. So uh, there was this another club with it. And it was squash and it was totally free. And I went inside and I just realized that this is a very fascinating sport. It's very different. And at first, I couldn't get the access. I, I needed some reference. So I went to some of my friends and I asked their fathers and someone gave me a racket. Someone gave me shoes, something that I earned myself and there were little kids who were my first coaches because girls and guys were not allowed to train together. So for me, uh, squash was always something that I never knew. And I think, I think that that is why it is so beautiful to me because I'm exploring it every day now. I know so much about it and the more
2: I know about it, the more I fall in love with this game. Oh, that's amazing. And- When it comes to your career then in sports, what would you say have been your biggest career highlights so far?
1: Uh, For me, I would say that uh, being able to play squash at a very high level in the world is one of the biggest milestones in my life because if you look into any sport, uh, all the kids, uh, all the players, they have started from like, you, you can say, six years old and seven years old and 10 years old and stuff like that. For me, I started very late and that was being 17 year old. Um, I was always told that you're very late. You cannot achieve uh, all this and um, it's tough. It's not that easy and, you know, all these things. And within three years of my, my squash career, Uh, joining it uh, back in 2018, I actually gained the 120, you know, uh, world ranking. So um, I'm going to touch upon how people really look into uh, my sporting journey as the something powerful, just because I have like, you know, disguised as a guy or I have had different sport uh, careers and think what I have done um, as at this age that I joined a sport which I was not even you know familiar with before and I learned all these techniques and I actually um, I actually touched that world ranking in such a short span of time now I know that whenever I go down I'll be able to pick myself up up again so I think this is the biggest highlight of my career.
0: But you just said something and I really got stuck there and I was wondering if we could if you could maybe elaborate a little bit more on that. You said that you disguised as a guy. Can you tell us a bit more about that? What do you mean?
1: Yeah, it was... Uh, so back in 2009 and eight and beyond that, our areas from uh, Lower Deer and Timurga and Sabat, these sites, these valleys were basically the play- playgrounds of extremists and um, you know uh, the army of Pakistan. Uh, for the war <laughs> that I don't know who initiated, which is unfortunately back again, but for uh, for me and my family and all of the kids just like me, um, it was something that was really unimaginable. So my cricket career that started was from that war torn area. When all of our schools were shut after, like, you know, all the bombings and stuff, um, we were basically getting bored at home, even in that situation. Uh, We wanted to do something with our lives. So apart from reading at home or watching TV while having all these, like, you know, um, all this this kiosk going on around us, uh, we got time to actually play cricket. And that's how I actually got very good at it. I used to play with the soldiers, I used to play with the with my cousins, my with my brothers, with all the guys around the colony, whoever was there, because most of the families actually migrated from there. Uh, I was later on sent to Peshawar uh, for my um, higher studies, elementary school uh, or high school. Or there, I really wanted to play cricket, and I kept te- searching for academies around the city. And I was just 13 years old, and you cannot expect a 13-year-old girl knowing everything about, like you know, the city. So I couldn't find this academy for. Uh, playing cricket and uh, for girls, I actually found a guy's academy and I went there for one week and I actually requested that, that I want to play and they used to always turn me down thinking that I'm just a girl. <laughs> I cannot do it. I just have like, you know, uh, this hobby of mine. Uh, but after uh, maybe bothering them so much, they gave me, you know, a chance to prove myself. So in the first trial, I actually Uh, bowl to two guys and they actually told their coach that she's pretty good because it was too tough to hit the ball so um, the coach actually asked me that where did you learn to play and I said that I'm from there and that's where I actually learned to play and uh, I requested that I want to play with you guys and he said that this is boys academy and let me send you the girls one he did send me to one and I didn't really like it so I came back to him and he said I'll just cut your hair because there's another player who has done it too. Um, at that time, I didn't know that it was Maria Tour of Squash. Um, but uh, there were many other girls who have been doing it for studies and other stuff. So he cut my hair <laughs> and I was no Islam for a while. And the best part was that... Um, Nobody nobody could recognize me because I had, um, you know, unibro and my upper lips were not done and my voice was not like, you know, so big and I could mix with all the young guys And I've been playing with them and the tan actually really helped me as well. And um, I used to come back to hostel to one of my aunt and she used to wonder that why did I cut my hair? (laughs) And there were so many things I used to lie that I'm going to my friend's place just to study. So for me, like, you know, sneaking out of my hostel and coming um, from school to the academy was kind of an adventure. And I, I I stayed in the team for you know for one year, and um, I was like you know the vice captain of the team. Uh, it was under fifteen um, until one day I came back and everyone's voice was changing and not mine, <laughs> and 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 um, there were other bio- biological and physical like you know changes and i told my coach i i I said i i don't think so we can actually hide it anymore and i cannot even lie to my mom and this is too much now and um when we gathered the guys and he told them that she's a girl um the first reaction was very funny they said but how she's so fast (laughs) so i i i said that i mean this proves that G- girls can be as fast as you guys and I was skilled enough and they told me that that you uh, stay with us for a while you play for us and uh, then we'll we'll send you to any other team of girls and stuff but I mean I, I think after that my cricket career actually went down uh, because of many reasons the, the the difference between the girls team and the boys team was so big there was a lot of discrimination in the girls team there was like you know uh, many things that I saw that I, now I understand, I couldn't understand when I was too young. It was the sexual harassment. It was the other harassment. It was, um, when when I say that, I felt um, very heavy. I think it was, I was uh, sabot- sabotaging my own identity. That's why I wanted to tell it so bad that I'm a girl. Uh, the voice inside me was just shouting. I wanted it to be revealed. I wanted it to be known as Narina, not Nur-Islam or someone else. And I remember there was, a, uh, there was a cousin of mine who used to go to all-boys school uh, just because there was no other girls school um, in the area. So she went to all-boys school for, I guess, seven to eight years. And I, I think many girls like me are shouting from the inside that we want our identity to be revealed and be
0: there. My gosh, um, such, such resilience in the face of so many challenges. You touched upon the sexual harassment, the, the war in your area, the having to practice, like playing with soldiers, the, just your identity in, in question, having to, you know, and wanting to really fight for that space to say, I'm a woman and I'm playing sports um, to this level and I, I'm just as good. But what kept you going despite all these tremendous challenges?
1: I think, um, as much as I, I I look back at my uh, my journey, I have always been like you know hungry for my own identity to be accepted. If I am, let's say, after going through so much for fourteen years or maybe more, um, that my my I have PT, PTSD, I have acute anxiety. Uh, and people like me, uh, we're not really seen as superheroes or something like that. Uh, we have always seen uh, all those kids or all those people who have so many titles being celebrated. Uh, but I have always seen people with medals being always celebrated, not people like us who never give up. And to me, they're the ones who are the real champions because a team can actually win you something right in the team you might have not even played some other person is actually playing for you and because of them you actually get the medal and you are celebrated and stuff like that i think the most powerful thing is that you do you refuse to bow down in front of the world uh you fight for your identity whether you're whatever color you are whatever uh tribe you come from whatever language you speak whatever area you represent. I think my biggest fight uh, that kept me going was to accept myself and mute all those voices of people that were given to me for no reason. And they were speaking more in my mind than my own voice. So I think it was my own peace that I was fighting for and I emerged as a very big voice for my own, like you know, country's athletes. And I think this was the fight for my own self, my own identity. That's what has kept me
2: going. Unfortunately, I'm I'm the loss of words right now. But just listening to you, it's for me. On the one hand, it's you know, it um, hurts my heart just listening to the things you've had to go through. But at the same time, I hear. It, I, I feel so much hope listening to you because you're so brave and you keep on going and you are showing that, yes, it is possible to to move past all of this, even though it is really, really hard and be brave and inspire so many who who are maybe in a similar situation.
1: It, 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 it's uh, I, I feel very good. When um, a city like Peshawar, which is so big, so rich, it was one of the biggest trading center for South Asia, all the things used to happen here. But like, you know, when I used to listen to all these bigger names like Jahangir Khan, Janshir Khan coming out of these areas, um, and I take pride in them, and I, I I think they're the biggest legends of my sport. But there's another legend that actually emerged from here, and her name was Karla Khan. And um, just because she was a woman, she's not that celebrated. And just because she did not actually go to world number one, she's not that celebrated or remembered. So for me, I have always thought that if I give up today, I might not be remembered like her. I mean, though I respect her for the performance she has always given for the fight that she actually put. And to be one of the biggest and the pioneers of like, you know, female sports in Pakistan and especially Peshawar. I have always thought that uh, if no one else can become the voice uh, that I needed as a kid, uh, I can become that. I mean, while going and you can say, you know, surviving my own journey, I figured out that I'm the first ever for my own division. uh, Like, I mean, the first ever athlete in the past century. You can say that the division actually includes seven districts altogether. So just imagine the pressure, the eyes that you have, one wrong thing goes uh, either way, like you're just doomed, you're hated, you're loved at the same time. There are so many mixed feelings, you are actually overwhelmed. But my mother has always said this thing that if you don't take the step today, there will be no step tomorrow. So let's create the ground first. It's not necessary that you hold a trophy. Yes, it is going to be very delightful to see you with that trophy. But how about that ground that has to be created? And what if you're the history maker for these girls? They will always remember you. And I remember there was this little girl. She came to me and she said that whenever I see you in the ground in stadium um, I, doing anything, I feel very secure. Because I know that if anything happens to me, you're going to stand up for me even even if you don't know me. And I remember I used to train uh, with at least 300 men in the ground at night uh, just because the facility was very different for girls and guys. And I had to fight for that as well that why is my coach not as qualified as boys? And the, the, the director general actually got so fed up and he said, okay, you can actually play with them. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I mean, in the in the ground at night in ramadan um my coach asked me that could you just like count all those these guys around you and i said okay i'll do that and to my surprise they were somewhat over 250 and 300 Uh, and i was just like a bit like you know struck and he said that that's why you're becoming that big voice for everyone and today when i see this girl openly like you know training among guys in the same ground and everything is so perfect it makes me feel so good there are so many girls that I don't get a chance to use my own squash court though I'm the most senior there but I I think the step was
0: to be taken and honestly that's the, the the beauty of this podcast and the beauty of the work that we're trying to do through our women in sports initiative and and the podcast itself, indeed, that we're not trying to bring the same old story and celebrate the same old heroes and make it black and white as in, oh, it's women versus men or it's uh, those that win versus the the ones that you don't really think about. It's just really bringing light to different stories, such as your story, that shows the complexity and the the inter- intersection intersectional way that these issues kind of unfold. Um, when I say this, I mean, for example, you mentioned certain areas that people from certain areas would have better opportunities and will be celebrated because they're coming from that area. They're growing up with access to training facilities and they're growing up with all these different things. And then you add the fact that, oh, it's a man from this affluent place and they're also managing to sort of reach the top of the top so then they become the 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 celebrated people You add in the media the media which is already kind of showing more men than women it's like then the, the narrative gets really strongly um centered around this one particular type of story but when you when you bring it down to the work that we do we try to really bring stories like your story to the forefront and honestly I'm just getting some just goosebumps just just listening to your story and hearing the resilience and hearing the how you've had to fight for your own peace for your own identity and the fact that somebody else listening to this and hearing you say that will give them hope you know so it's like it's your it's like your own authentic way of living and and fighting for your own self becomes your activism in a, in a sense and people that Get to watch this, get to to be inspired and see that change and see the 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 future and a hope for themselves. So yeah, I'm really, really just completely like humbled and privileged to to just even be here with you in on this podcast and just get to hear your story. And yeah, really
1: very thankful to you for having me. Uh, I think I mean the way you are giving me this platform to just 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 talk, just be myself. Uh, And have the heart-to-heart conversation with you guys, and the acceptance that I'm getting from you and your team, I think that that is extremely important. And the way you actually mentioned about how some uh, people from certain areas are expected to always win because of you know um, their facilities and stuff. And um, I would just mention that um, how Sarah Brown actually once said that what if uh, like you know uh, all the cancer cure, uh, or anything solution for that is in the minds of the kids who actually have like, you know, um, do not have education. And for me, um, to me, that quote is very important because to me, someone who has gone through so much and has like, you know, PTSD and so many other mental health, uh, issues. I, I think I see my people very resilient, um, Uh, especially people from afghanistan especially people from my area especially people coming from any other war-torn areas that we neglect so much and we expect them to win everywhere i mean just imagine to be in their shoes and have a decade-long trauma inside your system and you expect them to win the medals i think the brands i think the stakeholders, I think the world need to recognize them as the biggest champions of their lives or anyone um, I mean all these uh, ads, all these marketing agencies, all these you know the the global uh, the global campaigns that revolves around the athletic empowerment. I think if we ever come to people of Afghanistan or Heberportun that I am from. Uh, they come out of their house uh, and they're already at a war with themselves because of the traumas that they have, because of the identities that have been given, because of the subconscious problems that they're carrying, and yet they're proving the world right and wrong. So, I mean, the day we all are celebrated equally, I think we're going to start winning in
2: a very different way. There are so many things that are greater than the trophy, and what you're doing is the greatest thing you can do and that is standing up for yourself and for other people because at the end of the day it is about human beings about each individual just like you said that's what I'm trying to say I I mean
1: for for me I sports has always been a a choice that I need to make in my life and I think to me choice is like you know exercising right human right in my life like for example uh, if I want to have something in the morning. Um, I should never be asked, why are you eating this? What is happening? Just because of your gender, because of your your area, because of your identity, because of anything like that. I mean, why would you ask me that? Why I want to play cricket or why I want to wear certain clothes? Because it's not for my gender. And if I, I come from an area or I come from a country, which is not economically that good, are you trying to term the ability that I have or God has given me or something like that? I mean, you're, you, you have not created me. You have not made, like, I mean, you're not the maker of my my system. How can you say that I have this ability or I have not? Like, I mean, just imagine bold. Who thought that a guy from Jamaica is going to do that? Imagine Who thought that someone from there is going to make a way for so many other people? So I think the world actually becomes very unfair to people like us, uh, to people or my gender, I would say that, how the discrimination is there. And I, I wouldn't say that it's just a war between a guy or a girl or a man or a woman. People thinking that women are not as fast as men, I mean, where is it written? Is it proven somewhere? I mean, we can actually test it somewhere. So before, uh, you know, before turning us into something that we are not, before giving us the identity that we do not belong to, let's have it fair in the world and then we can decide. And, and again, the motto comes, let's live and let's,
2: like, you know, let the other people live. I'm profound and I, I agree with you if we look at then at the sports industry, what um, what practical things do you think various stakeholders within sports um, can do or do to really support women's sports then?
1: Um, yeah, for me, I think audience are the biggest power that we have. Uh, uh, if you remember in 2019, um, The FIFA World Cup, Women World Cup, was watched, I guess, in billions. And that was such a big, you know, that was such a big blow for all those people who used to think that we don't have enough audience. I mean, come on, (laughs) come on, we are half of the world or maybe more than that. The girls, the women. And for example, if I give this example of how I wanted to look like Shai the Freedy, but I didn't realize when I grew up that I'm not I'm I'm not a man and I started looking at Nidadar, one of the highest like I mean the highest wicked keeper, not one of them, the highest wicked keeper of my country who is a woman, I could actually see my little Self inside me being so happy because I could relate to her because I could see myself in her. So just imagine all these little girls who saw mermaid in their own color, they were so happy. Did you see that? So I think media and audience can actually give us the power that we lack if we start showing women on TV more that they're playing and we could relate to them and, like, you know, we can see our bodies like them. That is the most powerful thing that can happen to the sports industry. And you will see the rise in finances, the rise in, you know, all these opportunities and stuff. The more you watch, the more it is being televised to people around, around the world, it will grow. It will grow and it is going to put pressure on all the brands, all the stakeholders who actually invest in them. The day uh just like the FIFA World Cup actually beat the i c c uh world cup men uh in back in twenty nineteen uh, for cricket uh the the weavership was far more than the male cricket tournament. And that was proven that, yes, women want to watch themselves. Yes, people are there to watch them, just like the Asia Cup of uh, female cricket was happening. And there were so many people watching India-Pakistan match. And the squash matches that are always televised, um, on YouTube, not that big, but you do see people that they're watching in Egypt, Malaysia, or people like me here in Pakistan. And then you see the retirement of Serena Williams was so big, like more than 70,000 people were there. So I I think this showing the people that yes, these things are happening around the world can really change the world and can really put investment in that. The more you watch something, the more it becomes powerful. And I'll just give a small example that my mother has never gone to school. Um, she doesn't understand a lot of sports. She was introduced to the world of sports through me. Other than cricket, she never knew that other sports actually exist. She didn't know what tennis is. But this one time... Uh, She was watching TV and she asked me that I've always seen them showing tennis. Why don't they show squash? And I said that the day I'm playing international, I'm going to actually make a call to the producer of the channel that you have to do this for my mom. So just imagine a woman who has never gone to school, who hasn't been to any arena up till now in her life, the 50 years of life. She is demanding me to be shown there on the TV and she gets so happy to see my toned body in the pictures and she always say that oh you look like da 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 player and she sometimes thinks that I'm as amazingly strong as Serena Williams or Bianca or any of all these girls I think that is how you actually empower women in the sport so yeah this is the only suggestion I have
0: just show it beautifully said and i couldn't agree with you more and one of our the women that we've actually interviewed alba pardo her name her name is and she was talking about the importance of the media that um the media have different resources and they they can actually reach more people and making sure that we get that push for just more representation on tv on just mainstream media is just such a powerful powerful thing to to just uh, kind of level the playing field for women and just bring more equality to women's sports. But Norina, I know it's going to be hard to, to, to sort of say this in a few sentences, but um, I'm going to ask anyway, what impact would you like to make in the sports industry? You already, you've already created so much impact already, but at the moment, what, what are you thinking? Where's your head at? What impact would you like to make?
1: I think I just uh, warned no one to limit no one. I mean, you know, the way I explained that no one has to define what is for me. Let the person or human have their own right like the freedom to exercise whatever they want to do. You know, I it's like for example, um if you want to speak, if you want to talk about this podcast anywhere in the world, I wouldn't I wouldn't make you feel like oh you cannot do it or something like that. And i and and beyond that, I wouldn't just like you know uh limit you in other practical ways that I I ruin your podcast somehow and stuff like that, just to prove myself right. So for me, I think uh just to exist in the sports you know, industry or just exercise this human right of mind that has been given by the creator itself. I, I think I just want everyone to play. Let it be someone from my area. Let it be someone have my color, my language, anything, my gender, I'm no one to define it for the other person, and I think that is the most important. I'm no one to define it for the other person that they are capable to be watched or to participate, even if they lose a hundred times. I'm no one to tell them to quit, it's their own choice if they want to play they can play a hundred times and lose a hundred times and I wouldn't want anyone to like you know um, uh, limit their resources their grounds their like you know their right to go out of their house anything like that I, I think that is the biggest blessing that you can actually give to someone else to exist that's all
2: that's so powerful and wise how, how can people support your activism, Norena? So what efforts can can, uh, people, what can people do?
1: I, I think it's um, I, one request that I'm going to make to anyone who is listening to this is like, please follow South Asian athletes. Their stories are extremely powerful and your visibility, like, you know, the visibility that you give them or through social media, just one follow. Just one follow option can take them to anywhere. Believe me, there are girls from Afghanistan escaping the places uh, that are not meant for them. There are girls or guys in Pakistan who have not seen their own houses for years and months, staying away from their parents like the way I do um uh, just for the sake of visibility just for the sake of resources just imagine if these follows and these social media platforms can actually let them build these arenas within their communities for other people like them they don't have to leave their houses and i think my activism just not is you know, uh, limited to sports, it's for everyone, it's for whoever want to exist in whatever way. So to support my activism, I think if you follow my work on my Instagram or my Facebook or Twitter or anywhere and you support me in any way, it can be just a kind word because we have many negative people putting us down, degrading us, uh, telling us so many different things. I think that is going to be more than enough. Through my social media, when I started back in, you know, say, 2014 or maybe before, um, I have supported more than 4,000 athletes and uh, students to go to school and to have gears and to have access to, you know, uh, sports arena, uh, have funding and all through the power of social media, all through power of connection. I don't have an NGO, I just have these words and you guys will be very surprised that no one in my family actually speak uh, English so fluently. I learned it through social media, I learned it through connections, I learned it through, through so many other, other resources. So if I have these resources, I would want them to be passed on. So through your platform, if anyone is listening to my voice, I want them to uh, spread this voice around the world. And I think that is going to make it even more powerful.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And finally, Norina, what advice would you give to someone who has had to struggle for the right to play sport or even just the right to exist and to express themselves?
1: Uh, If they have struggled and they're still listening to me, I would say that congratulations, you have made it so far. I mean, just realizing that you exist and you want to exist the way you want to. I think that one realization is within itself is a very powerful act. So I think if you're existing right now, you're listening to me, you're amazing to me. Uh, the advice is that be yourself. Don't quit fighting. You will get there someday if you have not. And believe me, you will leave a legacy for for so many to come. And you, we will have a community where there won't be any hate. There won't be any limitation. There won't be any, you know, any kind of like identity crisis. I think uh, we have to keep going. So my advice is like just live and let live.
0: Norina, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me and like, you know, giving me this this platform to talk to you.
0: Awesome, awesome. If you would like to connect with Norina, we will have all her links to her social media in the description box. So please go ahead and use those to connect with her. And as well, if you would like to meet women like Norina and other incredible women within sports that are doing amazing things to really push for equality within sports make sure that you join our women in sports community Uh, the link to that will be in the description box as well if your goal is to get more supporters superior sales and real revenue then visit our website at datatalks.sc and fill out our demo form to experience firsthand how we can help you DataTalks. More supporters, superior sales, real revenue.